let me sing you a waltz out of nowhere out of my thoughts let me sing you a waltz about this one night That is. It's very sweet and relaxing, which is what we could all use some relaxing music for now. (laughs) If those of you listening in the current time, March 2020, then you are in the same position we are, which is quarantine to your house. I was going to say crisscross applesauce. Chris, I am sitting crisscross applesauce on our bed. Um, we're coming to you live from our bedroom, which is nothing new. If there was not a quarantine pandemic going on, we'd still be sitting here. But the fact is that there is a pandemic and basically the country has been ordered to stay at home to try to suppress the spread of this virus uh, we're living in a fucking movie and i don't like this movie <laughs> <laughs> i just saw on twitter is that your quarantine nickname is how you feel right now plus the last thing you ate out of the cupboard so i am currently a worried skittle what's your quarantine nickname i am relaxed poppable Fuck you calm calm poppable okay well i'm glad that you're Those relaxed poppables are weird <clears throat> yeah well you got Salt and vinegar ones. Well, not I didn't get them. But. Anyway, <clears throat> so we have um, our schedule really isn't that all different when it comes huh? to the that all different podcast we're still doing. Obviously, we have time to watch a movie and talk about it from our own home. Um, what are we talking about tonight on this podcast that we call "Why Do We Own This DVD"? I, you know. Oh, we haven't even talked about the movie yet. I asked you what we're talking about tonight. Talking about Richard Linklater's Before Sunset. Yes, you got it right. Part of a... Currently, it's a trilogy. Mm-hmm. We might get a fourth in a couple Had of you years. Have seen the third one? I have seen Before Midnight. Oh. They're married. And they are not happy. In... Oh, yeah, yeah. In that movie, they're married. But uh, Before Sunset is the second movie. Um, I know. Again, we're out of order. That's okay. But it's a good one to... Because, you know, it stands alone, though. It can can actually stand alone. It does, because you don't really need to know the plot of the first one, because these... (laughs) Nothing happens. I mean, I don't want to call them plotless, but they kind of are. There is a basic plot. Say, okay... Well, no, they meet. There's certainly a plot. There's yeah. There's just no story. It just meanders. Um, it's about ninety five percent dialogue. Yeah. Ninety nine percent dialogue. I so I remembered this movie as well as I thought I did. Okay. Because I think I mentioned about wasn't one of them a writer and blah blah blah. Uh huh. So I nothing was unfamiliar. My memory was that I I 
Well, you had a spaz about going later in, going last into time. it. I knew I wasn't gonna like it because it oh. was very. Why do you go into movies like that, Robert Altman?y Because yeah, you're. And then I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, I like. And I remember I liked it the first time. Did you have a? It was pleasant. I was pleasantly surprised because you're so. You're just drawn in to the way they talk and I, what they're talking exactly about. Exactly that. Yeah. She <clears throat> is kind of a spaz, she's, and she's a delightful spaz. She's. And even, you know, she, there's a line where she's like, do you think I'm neurotic? Because he says something about her being uh-huh. neurotic. And she, she is. She's kind of a manic, but that, but not in a, I don't think not in a bad way. It's fine if you are. And but she's not manic in like a scary way, <clears throat> which is important. Yeah. She's just excitable, but super real and super down to earth. I thought. She's a little, um. Uh, I wanted to say spazzy, but she it's not spazzy. It's, it is a very kind of nervous energy type of vibe sort of. you get. Um, and he is, I want to say super chill because he. That's what he puts out. He puts out that, but we know he's not. He's got. Well, we find like, out he's yeah. not. Yeah. So before sunset, because that takes place nine years after the first movie, which is before sunrise. Um, which that's the one I don't remember. I realize. Oh, I know that one like by heart. I may have seen it once. So quickly. I mean, we have the first one. Eventually, we'll talk about it. But they meet in Vienna and they spend a night talking, and then they say, "Okay, let's meet back here in six months." That's how the story. Is it six months? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's how that movie ends. I felt like it was longer, but yeah. It was six months. I know it was six something. I thought maybe six mm, years, but. Months, because it's like, it's supposed to be like December mm-hmm. when they meet. Um, turns out we find out, it's nine years later, she never showed up. Um, and this, Before Sunset, starts with, he's a published author and he's giving a, a book speech. She's on a book tour. <laughs> a book tour in Paris. And. She, they see each other at the bookstore. She find we find out that she saw that he was coming mm-hmm. to speak, so she goes to the bookstore, and um, it comes out that she didn't show up because her grandmother died the same day she was supposed to get to the train station. Well, yes, you didn't pay attention to the movie. No, was it she died the same day, or was it like the funeral was that day or something? The, the same. Thing. She died in the same at that. In yeah, that and the funeral was that day because she had to go yeah. to the funeral. Um, turns out he did show up. Well, he, he at first she asked, did you show he's up? He's like, like, no. Well, no. no. But then, it, you know. But I do like that she gets mad. She's like, wait, why didn't you show up then? Yeah. She's like, I totally would have if I could. And then he has no quippy answer. And she yeah, realizes, she's like, oh, fuck, oh. you did show up. And, and so they spend, he has to catch a plane at 730. But um, it's, you know, this movie takes place during the course of an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Before sunrise. Sunset. <laughs> before sunset. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And so they spend that afternoon walking around Paris. She lives there now, uh, talking, kind of catching up what they've been doing and talking about random things. Yeah. Which is the quirks of these movies that it's just constant conversation. And there's never a dull moment because it's there's always something being said, but not in like a Gilmore Girls, Philadelphia story, fast talk, quippy way. It's just a constant conversation. It's it's very the movie is very it's it's 
pretty much it's very voyeuristic because you just you're just a Listen, fly on the wall yeah, watching just, two people. Yeah, you're just listening in on their conversation, which can get very personal uh-huh. because the, you know they're not just talking about. Hey, did you see that cool movie? I mean, they're talking about their own lives, what their lives have been like for the past nine years. And uh, it's seeming at initially on the surface, it's been pretty good for both of them. Yeah, but as we get because that's the the armor they've put <clears throat> up. Yeah, you know, he's married. He has a kid. Mm-hmm. She's in a relationship with a photojournalist who's not always there. He's mm-hmm. always traveling. She's always worried. And she has a good job, you know, mm-hmm. doing environmental stuff. Um, and they kind of, yeah, they scrape away at those parts of their lives uh-huh. as the movie goes on. Turns out he's very unhappy. His wife is unhappy. The only thing that makes him happy is his son. Well, and it turns out he's been pining for her this whole time. This whole fucking time. When Even he, the day of his wedding. Oh, I like that. that that's when, my favorite scene when they're in the car. When he admits to her. That's in the car, right? Uh-huh. And then she flips out. Well, because well, he's saying how... He was so obsessed with her that he imagined seeing her outside of a cafe on the way to the wedding Yeah, at like 13th and whatever. And she's like, I lived on 11th and 13th. Was that the day of the wedding or that was just another time? That, that was he, on the day of his wedding. He was, <clears throat> that was just another time he saw her. No, that was he was, was that, with okay. his best man driving to the wedding. I know that, but I thought it was another time that he had thought he saw, had seen her. And he saw someone who looked just like her you know, at a cafe. And he's like, that would have been impossible. And she's like, but I was actually living... In New York, and I lived at that corner, basically. Because he didn't get married in when she was living in New York, though. Yeah. 96 to 99? Yeah. Okay. And I wasn't the one watching the movie. Well, if his son is four. Well, no, because I thought he said, and then another time I was in New York, and I thought I saw you. I thought it was different from Mm-mm. the day of his wedding. But okay. If his son is four, he would have had a son in 2000. Or this text was in 2003. So 99. He could yeah, because he got married when his wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. and they're both miserable. She's not happy because she's been thinking about him, and she can't hold on to a relationship because she always ends up. It never works out. Yeah, is right. it because of him? We she never really says, but I, well, I think it's. I mean, it's because of her, but it's because of what she can or can't let go of. And, you know, and, she it, even and says it might be him. But. She was doing fine until she's like, until I read your fucking book. Yeah. Because the book he wrote was about their night in Vienna. Uh-huh. Um, and it kind of, it was almost like a, she'd been suppressing the PTSD this whole time. And then she read the book and it all kind of hit her like, shit, this is what's been mm-hmm. going on with me this whole time is that it kind of all came back to her. Even though she never forgot it. That, because that. he had the book as his outlet, sort of, yeah. in a way. <clears throat> but she had nothing. She didn't have that equivalent. It was just relationship to relationship. Yeah. Which, yeah. And it really, I mean, the book didn't work out personally well for him. Because it really just, well, it led him if, back to her. And it's sure, yeah. this can of worms now. I mean, it may have been financially a success but mm-hmm. you know he says it's, it's a small bestseller but i mean it is it's obviously not making him happy mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah i mean but, it's and it it's still i 
I went into this movie thinking, oh, it's lazy filmmaking. And it's so not. It's so it's, not. It's so Don't not, you feel dumb now? It's so not <laughs> Robert Altman-y. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Um, because it's so <clears throat> compelling just in the actual storytelling. Mm-hmm. We don't need cool camera moves. We don't need... We don't even need picturesque settings. Yeah. Really. I mean, you you get it because you're in Paris, but that's just the nature of the location. But y- it could have been all in that car and all in her apartment, and it would have been just fine. Yeah. What ha- this movie has going in terms of film technique is the long takes. Which are it, incredibly because long. Because when you're watching them walk, the cameras watch just in front of them as they're walking, and you realize it's been on them the whole time they've been talking the and the longest take is 11 minutes long it's one of the times when they're walking that's an entire can of film one shot and i think because they wrote the script julie delpy ethan hawk uh-huh. link and link later and then there's one other woman karen was it like, was it oh kim kreisen oh yeah i saw that name um she actually was the screenwriter for the first one. I'm curious to see how much <clears throat> well, of were, the script is actually written and how much... Just flowed as they were talking. Yeah. Because, you know, with any conversation you have with someone, one thing you say leads to another, and it could go in mm-hmm. so many different ways. It's just what you pick up on off of that conversation. Because yeah, and you never... Oh, speaking of, yeah. then you go into... I mean, you can have a script, but you know that... Natural dialogue, natural conversation goes in so many different ways. Yeah, because like even in those moments when they're outside walking, one of them may have seen anything, a cloud, a a leaf skitter, and that could have triggered a new jumping off point Mm -hmm. for just a thought. Yeah. Which then changes the entire conversation. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see like a transcript of the movie and the actual written script. Well, the script was nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. And at first, when I read that, I was like, adapted? It's not, it wasn't a book, you know. And then I, then I learned that any screenplay for a sequel is considered adapted because it's based on mm-hmm. the first movie. Which, okay, I get. That's fine. And I would assume that would apply to if the movie was like a prequel. Because it's still based on the original film regardless of the actual chronology of the mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. So like, like, like Phantom Menace. <laughs> if that had been nominated for best it, screenplay, it would be adapted. It would be an adapted <laughs> because it's based on Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. You know, even though story-wise it takes place before everything. And story-wise it would not have been nominated <laughs> for an Academy Award for best screenplay. <laughs> Sorry, George. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I guess, how those, those rules work. <laughs> um so yeah this movie was filmed obviously on location in paris over a period of 15 days only in the afternoons that almost seems see because you can because only film the same, in the afternoon it has to, you have to keep the date the time the same basically uh, but keep going because yeah. you're still time is still moving how how long in the mo- in the movie how long is there there i assume it's like uh, two hours. Because he has a couple of hours to get back to the bookshop to go to the airport. Yeah. They want him back at like 7.30, 7.15, whatever. 
and they don't never specify, but it is, you know, after noon. Well, because Andy, Andy does say I that, assume it's like late afternoon. Yeah, because he says, you know, I have to be at the airport. They want me at the airport at 730 and I'll be sitting there for two more hours or whatever. But his flight was at 10. Yeah. But they, yeah. you know, they need him there early. Just, yeah, you know. Because I think, I feel like his book, his, uh, his little in-store appearance thing ended at like four something. Yeah, that's what, because it's that, you know, that time of day where the sun's kind of, I mean, it's, it's definitely afternoon sun. Yeah. I mean, it's summer. Um, actually, when they were filming, it was, Paris was in the middle of like a heat spell, so the temp was over 100 degrees every oh. day. And he's wearing a, over, I mean, he's wearing a coat, uh-huh. you know, like a suit jacket type coat, you know, and I mean, she has a tank top on, but she's in jeans and. I mean, everyone you see is, you know, in shorts and yeah. short sleeve shirts and shit. Yeah. Um, so really, you would need the same daylight just based on the point of your movie. You would need it like a an little hour bit later. later. Yeah. yeah. Just which is, you know, because you need it leading, leading up to, to sunset. Which you do see. You, the sun is in different positions. Mm-hmm. You you know, like when they're on that boat. You, you do when see they the get off that changing. boat, yeah, you yeah. can tell. It's getting Shadow, it's starting to get shadows are longer. It's like that and, dinner hour. It's yeah. like yeah. It looks like it's like six something. The sky is getting orangey. <laughs> yeah. So it's and then you know, I think before sunrise the same thing, you know, <laughs> it's into the night and then when the sun rises, you can tell, you know, it's getting lighter. Oh, do and they lighter. make it to sunrise? Yeah. In that movie? Okay. I don't know. Because they have to catch a train, and oh, okay, yeah, it's early in the morning, but you do see when the sun rises. Do but... they catch separate trains, or does one of them catch a train and one of them? I don't remember. We have because to... he mentions they're on different trains. He mentions a dream where he's on a platform and she's, and she's... in a train going by. Yeah, well, they get on different trains. They're okay. going different places. Right, right. He's flying back. He's, he's probably heading to airport. Airport. And she's going back to. Forever. I don't know where she. I don't know. We'll find out. She's not in New York yet. That takes place in '94, mm-hmm. the first one. Um, <clears throat> some uh, conversations they had that that stand out that you remember. That was some little moments because it's just a series of moments and. Um. Well, I I do uh, like when he he does he decides to jump on that tourist riverboat. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "No, you have to get your flight." He's like, "No, my driver will meet me." You know, Bleep. yeah. So then he's like, "Where should he meet us?" And she tells him, and she's saying it in perfect French. And he's like, "And he oh, cannot." Oh no! Whatever the hell she says, <clears throat> I couldn't. Even no, re- I repeat. There's no, no way. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um. But watching her try to make get him to say it was making me laugh. Yeah. She's like, he's really. A, she's like, what's wrong with you? I mean, he's a guy from Texas. If you think, you know, I mean, that's his character is and from Texas. He is from Texas, right? Is Ethan Hawke from Texas? Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since I've done research on him. It's been a while. Sure has. It's been a while. I like when they're sitting in the cafe having coffee, and she uh-huh. tells the story about when she was living in New York. She studied at NYU. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the story about she heard a noise in on her, her fire escape or whatever. Yeah, so she called the cops, and a cop came, and you know, he had a gun, and he's telling her. You should really, you know, you're in New York. You really should get one of these, you know, guns headed out. And she's like, oh, shit. So she applied for a gun until she realized this is crazy. What am I doing? And 
Um, it turns out that's actually a real story that actually happened to her. That the cops like you should you should get yeah. a gun, and she's like, okay. And then she's like, wait, I'm not a gun person. What? Um, I thought that was kind of a. I don't know. The I fact that I knew that it was a real story that happened to her made it, you know, and she said it so effortlessly. I mean, she, you know, like, oh, yeah, that definitely happened to her. I mean, it, it's almost as if it was a story she was telling, like, like Richard Linklater, you know. Yeah. And he's like, OK, well, let's put that into the throw that into the script. If you it's want. almost like the kind of anecdote you would tell, like almost like in an interview almost, you know, where someone says, Tell me about, you know, your experience with yeah. such and such. <laughs> um, <clears throat> some people think that there's a lot of parallels between Jesse, Ethan Hawke's mm-hmm. character, and Ethan Hawke himself mm-hmm. at that time. Um, at that time, he was married to Uma, Uma Thurman, um, but they were going through a divorce at the same time. And he married her when she, she was, was pregnant. pregnant yeah. Um, which, you know, we look at it how you want. You you can say, oh, yeah, he that's totally his life or just. But how can you not? Well, I wonder in? if he knows how that feels. So why not put it in the script? You know. And I mean, it is one of those things where you write what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can totally imagine. And it says, you know, um, both Huck and Delpy incorporated elements of their own uh, lives into the screenplay because i can totally they? see the three of them sitting down and just kind of brainstorming ideas and they're just just thinking about giving personal anecdotes and like, oh yeah that's good because they would have more interesting stories than than we would <laughs> and i mean why try to put extra energy into making something up when you can write effortlessly what you know yeah you know i i don't know julie delpy from Anything else? Anything else that I can I don't think of? Either, really. I mean, I first thing I saw her in was obviously before sunrise. And I, I, I like her so much. She, I feel like she was perfectly cast. Yeah. Oh, she was in Europa, Europa, which I saw mm-hmm. a long time ago. That was like one of her first things. Nineteen ninety. But I feel like the color trilogy. That was the white. Remember that? Oh um, yeah. I don't. Yeah. 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 And then the before oh, the before trilogy. Wait, I'm that's what I'm talking about. But she looks so perfectly European. She's fifty now. <laughs> I know. I mean, so is Ethan Hawke's yeah. got to be up there too. So, yeah, she she has the same birthday as my brother. Does she December twenty yeah. four? Oh, you already did your research on her. But I mean, yeah. she looks so perfectly French. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I mean. And she's just, it's, it's, she's interesting to watch. Yeah. Cause she, I, you're so drawn to just her animated way of talking. Cause I don't, I wouldn't consider her to be like, you know, like, oh, he's 49. Supermodel he's high Texas, or anything, but she's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And she's it's very, a very natural. She's very normal looking, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you put her next to Uma Thurman. She doesn't look normal. Uma, I mean, Uma has a look. Julie Delpy. Uma does not look normal. No, she's very exotic. She I, is exotic, but I mean, but she has features that are very accentuated, whereas Julie Delpy just is very plain, but still very striking. She's very, if that makes sense. She's very. Hmm. What? How? How would you? She's very classically pretty. Just you yeah. know. Like not, 
I don't want to say she's oh she's very average. No, she's com- we all are. but she's just completely normal pretty. Like mm. like she'd be hard to describe, really. Like if you had to do like a a police sketch. Like you say okay, she's blonde. Yeah. Cuz she doesn't have like she's smaller eyes. She doesn't have like extremely <laughs> sharp features like Uma does. Yeah. Like Uma looks like she came out of like a Phineas and Ferb episode. She looks like Candace. <laughs> but, She's got the big eyes, big thumb. You know, but Just I mean, but Julie Delpy would be very hard to describe because yeah, you'd be like, I don't know. She, She's got very soft features. You'd be, and, you'd be using the word regular a lot. I know it doesn't sound good, but I mean. She's and but she's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her accent is very adorable. It's uh, very and, French, but and she, I feel I like mean, it's very accentuated. I feel like she speaks better English than me. But I also think that she's putting on an accent. Oh, I don't think so. It's her real voice. It's not like she's not French. Well, I know, but I mean, I think she's. No, I think that's her real voice. You don't think she's giving it a little? No, zhuzh? no. Oh, okay. Ethan Hawke looked emaciated in this one. He always does. Didn't he come right off of Training Day? Training Day was... Like a couple years before? Um, yeah, 2001. Okay, so... This was what? Two or three years. This came out in 2004. Okay. So they may have... So they might was have that a, a skinny time apart. for him? Is that what you're saying? But no, because I don't remember him looking that gaunt in Training Day. He probably I'm no, sure he, he looks to, different in every goddamn movie. I, I see. He he really because does. Reality Vice, he's got like a pooch. He he. I mean, he's <laughs> he's got a pooch. he's very Christian Bale in his his transformation. Yeah, really. Mm. Like he looks like Christian Bale mechanic. Christian Bale. No one does. Well, I mean, not his body, but his face. His okay. face looks very. Drawn. His face is is thinner. Um, and he's got that buzz cut too. In the first one, he had like the you know longer hair. Yeah. He didn't have like Reality Bites hair, but the first one was a year after Reality Bites, so it was a little bit shorter. But because in Training Day he looked, but of course he's a cop. He's too, a cop, so he's he put on. I think he yeah. put muscle on, trim muscle. Does that make? But I mean he. So I mean he. Because he looked. I don't remember Training Day. Sorry. He looked exceptionally thin in this movie. Sure. He looked very tired, which I think is his character. And plus, he's getting divorced from Uma Thurman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's got to be rough. <laughs> um, but you I fan mean, you fan of Ethan Hawke? You think he's underrated? Because I sure oh, do. he's incredibly underrated. I know, he's I've been nominated liked... for two Oscars, obviously, screenplay for this one, adapted screenplay, and he got you know supporting actor for Training Day. Mm-hmm. But I think he is overdue for an actual award. And maybe more nominations. Well, he's also overdue for like a really exceptional role too. True, true. Um, he, he people liked him the... in that preacher movie he just did last year. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm, I, I, I feel like he doesn't get the work he deserves. First though. performed that was 2017, not last year. He doesn't get the jobs that he deserves. Didn't he turn down like a Batman movie? He's in movie? Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah. Another he Richard Linklater movie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He turned, didn't he turn down like a Batman year? Could have been. All they're all the same age. All those school ties, Dead Boat Society guys, they're all from the early seventies. And he's still friends with all those guys. Is he? Is he friends with Matt Damon? 
Oh, I don't know about Matt Damon, but I know he's... Is he friends with the Dead Poets Society guys? Yeah. Because he was not in school ties. He was like Robert Sean Leonard? Yeah. He is? They're all buddies, yeah. How do you know that? This I is don't know. juicy gossip. Look, Google or something. I don't know. But I know that... Well, I mean, he was neighbors to Lisa Loeb for a long time, too. Well, we know that he's best friends with Lisa Loeb. He got her. And he was in um, a Julian Hatfield video, I remember. Which one? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I did see that movie. Huh? Alive. The the, 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 the plane crash the plane and the crash? Andes, the soccer team? Yeah, the cannibal movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was in that? Yeah, that's the only reason why I saw it. Oh, I don't know. I never saw I that. was a big Ethan Hawke fan in the early 90s because i was obsessed with that poet society did i ever show you his house no oh. do you know where his house is i did when in he LA? lived in venice venice he lived in venice next to lisa Loeb because i knew where oh. she lived because i loved lisa Loeb. That's and i scary happened and i hope no one arrests you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they lived next to each other or something yeah, I knew that. I knew that they were neighbors. I didn't know where because I wasn't yeah, stalking them. Living in um, Venice. 90s was a good time for him, I think. And yeah, I really haven't seen him in that much. He's probably done a lot. I just haven't seen him because it's probably stuff that I don't know. Well, he's doing all small indies, probably. And he did take time off to be a writer, mm-hmm. just like his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask him about Maya. I would like to know what he... What do you think, Like, her? I mean... I'm sure he's proud as punch. Well, I know. I'm sure they both are. I mean, she looks just like Uma. Do Sorry. they... I don't see Ethan do you, do you? Do we know if Uma and Ethan are cordial? Was it a... Was it a, <gasps> a bad know. breakup or... Probably wasn't great, but I feel like they're both reasonable... Did they, did they co-parent? And they're both... I mean, he's remarried, maybe, to Ryan... Shahar. Oh, the, the, the nanny. <laughs> he married the nanny. They all do that, don't they? Didn't Christian Bale have a thing with the nanny? Jude Law. Oh, it was Jude Law. And Arnold was the maid. Uh, who was? <laughs> Arnold was the maid. And then um, Gwen Stefani. What's his name? He had the nanny thing. Who, Gavin? Yeah, Rossdale, right? Oh, did he? He was banging the nanny. Oh, I don't know. Fuck these nannies. Sorry. Don't get if a you're nanny. nanny. It's cool. Just don't go after the guy. Or if that's your deal, then um, I guess. Are you surprised to know that Hawk supports the United States Democratic Party? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, that's the most unsurprising thing no. <laughs> I've read today. Good for you. Pretty sure he's on the poster. For he that. says he prefers great art over politics, though. You know what he'd probably tell people today? Stay the fuck home. Um, yeah, other parts of this movie. Okay, so the scene in the car, which is my favorite. When she freaks out. That's the most real this movie gets. Yeah. If you think about it. I feel like I've been in that position. With who? I don't know. Me? If not me, then who? No, I mean, not that exact position, but in that. Next to someone freaking out. Oh, shit. I've, I've said the one wrong thing, and now... It's okay. all unraveling. I've, I feel like I've, I've, I feel like I've, I've sure been yeah. in that spot. Um, Where, I forgot what he said. Well, because she's talking about his fucking book. Uh-huh. America's like the way she says it is so like mm-hmm. boom right yeah. there. Um, 
and she's freaking out about relationships, how she can't keep them. Um, but it's the moment when he's talking about how he hasn't been able to get over her, forget her. Uh-huh. And he's looking out the window and she reaches up and she wants to. I liked that uh, one She moment. wants to like touch his head and cover him, but she pulls away before he looks back at her. And to me, it's almost a callback to the first movie. I don't know if you remember. They're, they're in the record store. Nope. Listening to music. No. And they're both looking at each other at the wrong time. Oh. He looks at her. But she's not looking. She's not looking. He looks away. She looks at him. And it goes on. Not a long time, but it's a moment. So as far as each one knows, they're not connecting. Not yet. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it reminded me, I thought of that scene right away when she reaches up to touch him and I did like. away. I did like away. that that one moment. I mean, that, I almost started crying. That's the only time I almost started crying. Because she's... Because it's the most it's that moment part of the movie. It's that moment where she's willing to be vulnerable to him. Because she has been vulnerable that for the last 30 or, seconds. Or to at least admit that she is. That's their most vulnerable. For yeah. both of them. They suddenly become the most vulnerable they've ever been around each other. People who should be strangers. Mm-hmm. Because they've known each other for two days. If you take away the nine years. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. they haven't. Because when they parted at the end of Before Sunrise. They didn't exchange phone numbers because they thought it would ruin the whole romanticism of the whole thing. Which they realized that was fucking dumb. Goddamn bohemians. They didn't have cell phones. What number <laughs> would they get? Um, so there has been no communication for nine years. So really they've had, this is their second day together. Or a continuation of the first day if you want to go yeah. timeline. They met, you know, I don't know. So for them to sh- suddenly be that vulnerable... In that moment, it's, I don't know, it's a turning point in their relationship, for sure. Well, I think for her, too, everything he's saying about not being over her, you know, admitting that he's been pining, she's unsure if that's just his attempt to have another night with her, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, I think not quite knowing where he really is. Like mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Because she's, she said a couple times, are you just trying to get into my pants? You know, that kind of. They're joking. He's like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. She's like, oh, well. But, so I think she's got her guard up most of that time and Mm -hmm. all all the time in the car for sure. And then when she reaches out to touch his hair, her guard has come down and she's willing to like, be like, hey, let's, we can maybe make something happen. And then she catches herself. Yeah. What am I doing? Right before he catches her. Yeah. But so the car is taking them to her apartment because he has to get to the airport and he's like, I'm driving you to your apartment. Mm -hmm. And she had mentioned how she's taught herself some songs on her guitar. And he's like, play me. I want to hear one of your songs. She's like, okay, fine. They go up to her cool little bohemian apartment in Paris. Mm -hmm. And she plays him one of her songs. A night for a waltz. Waltz for a night. Waltz for a night. You sure? Think so. <laughs> Are you positive? Not at all. Na, na, na. We should we? Play? I think you played at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, waltz for a night. Okay. Okay, waltz for a night. Um, which is if you listen to the words, it's their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's her book 
Yeah, that's her book that yeah. she wrote. And because she's like, I have three: one about a cat, one about my cat, because we know she loves her cat. One about I forget what the other one was. I don't remember, but I mean, it wasn't one that he probably yeah would have made sense for him to hear. And the other one is a waltz, and so he's like, I'm playing with the waltz stuff. She plays it, and then you know she finishes, and she's like. You're not going to make your... Oh, no. He's like, play me another one. She's like, what are you talking about? You're not going to make your flight. Well, she's do- she says that to him when she's dancing to Nina Simone. Uh-huh. You're not going to make your flight. And he's like, I know. Yeah. And that's how it ends. Yeah. I mean, it's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It's a great ending. I love how it ends. Because they're talking about Nina Simone. Because he... He puts in the he... CD and she's like, have you seen her live? And because like, she I've had, seen her... She had died. Recently, yeah. Yeah. Of co- to this around this time and she's telling her telling him how you know the the shows that she had seen mm-hmm. and the things that Nina i do Simone like does. her her little nina Simone. yeah it's so it's very cute it's very cute hey you over there you know she i love nina simone and i don't know what i know nina simone from i know you don't <laughs> um pop culture wise she appeared not she's, appeared but she was a reference a very was it gilmore girls fuck i don't know i don't know she was a very strong reference to in something that I watched. Um, feeling good is a popular song, and I'm feeling good, and I put a spell on you. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's how the movie ends. It ends. With, You're gonna miss your flight. I know. It ends with him basically staying in Paris longer than expected. Yeah. Um. We don't, unfortunately, we don't own the third one, but the third one before midnight, they're, they're married and things are mm-hmm. not, it's nine years later because each movie takes, you know, there's a nine year gap. So they've been married for, I don't know how long they're married in the third one. It's funny because the first movie was so romantic, not even like over the top romantic, you know, cause there's young kids in their twenties who have this whirlwind night and mm-hmm. it's so it's all romance it's all romance. The second one is definitely more real. It still has trickles of that romance. So it's kind of starting to shift and that third one is like all real. <laughs> no romance. It's like it, it just you know it's life. Mm-hmm. You meet that that someone at the beginning and it's all bells and whistles or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then you start getting in, okay. It's all bed knobs and broomsticks. It's all bed knobs and broomsticks. And the third one is all knives and weapons. I don't know. It's all it's, shoots and ladders. It's all shoots and ladders. That's life. And, you know, it's... Um, Isn't yeah, the British version Snakes and Ladders? Yeah. Because Joss Stone has a song called Snakes and Ladders. Which, that doesn't make sense to me. Why is why snakes? Because they're an evil people. Oh. Slytherin. I don't know. So do you still slide down the snakes? Yeah. Oh, okay. They don't slide down on shoots over there. Huh. Eat shoots and leaves. Um, we never said this movie opened on July second, two thousand four. What's significant about it? anything? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Just a summer opening. It actually premiered at the Berlin International Film Festival earlier that year. I would say February. Back when we had film festivals. Sure. That weren't they? You know they canceled Con. Finally, okay. they can't. 
Cans. Oh. Can. Con. I don't know how you say it. Yeah. We finally canceled that. Um, the budget was two point seven million. All location and salary, I guess. I guess, but how much do they really have to pay for the location? Just they're just walking in the streets. I don't know how much is a how much is a Parisian film license <laughs> film <laughs> permit? Uh, what do you think uh, the box office is? Which I just remembered another scene I liked, but twenty five million. No, Sixteen million. Okay. But for a two, you know, yeah, less than three million, for and essentially an indie film. That's budget. Eighty minutes of talking. By then, I mean, and yeah. and the sequel, being you know the pre the one the first one being nine years before that. Because really, I mean, that I mean really two million. That movie cost nothing. No, it uh, yeah. Richard Linklater paid for it out of his days to confuse pocket. Does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Um. I do like that her dad is in the movie. Yeah, her is it both of them? Yeah, her. I think her mom is the one who comes down the steps holding that bowl. There's a scene when they when they go back to her apartment. Some of the residents are um, having a little like, party yeah. barbecue, and the guy at the grill is her dad. He's wearing sandals. He's wearing sandals. His big apron. I want to know what they're saying to each other. Like, uh, yeah, it's all. That French. woman's kind of. You can kind of get chastising. the gist. Kind of get the gist that I think she kinda, should talk to him because he looks be. down. Yeah, just, like what do you like do as this? if he has to explain, like to because he's dressed. Like he has to list. justify why he looks the way he does he or lo- something. He's kind of like a cowboy shirt on. It looks like a very Texas shirt. I mean, he's he just looks like why are you such a dad? Basically, yeah. Well, thing with Ethan Hawke is he does stand out in this movie as being American. He he's the only looks, one you see, and he's the only one. In the whole movie, there's no other American to be seen. Well, how do you know? Well, I mean, <laughs> but you can tell he's an American in Paris. He gets on the boat and you hear him say, "All right, all right, all right." Did you know that? Yeah. I'm like, oh, Linklater and your McConaughey quotes. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think? Eighty-nine. Higher. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Oh, really? Ninety-five. Wow. Not bad. Very good. The film appeared on 28 critics' top 10 lists, the best films of 2004. The same year, Return of the King, isn't it? Huh? I'm trying mm. to think 2004. Couldn't remember what else came out that year. Maybe. I have no idea. Return of the King. I'm not out. the date person. I know. And uh, Roger Ebert said, Before Sunrise was a remarkable celebration of the fascination of good dialogue. But Before Sunset is better, perhaps the, because the characters are older and wiser. Perhaps because they have more to lose or win. Mm-hmm. And perhaps because Hawk and Delpy wrote the dialogue themselves. Which, yeah, I see that. Not seeing the dialogue in the first one wasn't as natural. Because I think it was. Even if it wasn't written by them. Mm. I guess we'll find out when we do the first one. But It, it, it is just very... I guess comforting to see two people having a have like a, how we do once a week. Okay, we have thrilling conversation that everyone gets to listen to. But I mean, <laughs> it, it is really nice to just watch two people be relatively normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's no melodrama in this drama except for in the car. I mean, and that's like I said, it's the most dramatic this movie gets. 
and but it's very real and still kind of comforting <laughs> because like you said it was kind of voyeuristic just watching these two people because really you you are just a fly on the wall yeah i mean it would be as if we were the chauffeur but oh and during that scene you mean like yeah. in the car driving. but i mean he has a name diabolo Philippe, but Philippe. the actor is Diabolo. Okay. That's his only name. <laughs> wow, he's fancy. Yeah. It's the only other name in this movie. There's only three names in this movie, and it's Jesse. Oh, yeah, I never even said her name. We could say Julie Delpy. Celine. Celine. Right. And uh, Philippe. The, his uh, book manager person isn't uh, named? You know, the guy who's kind of handling him? No. Oh, really? Huh. He never has a name. Hmm. No. But who would else, you know, there's no one else in this movie yeah, that true. deserves a name. Does the cat have a name? Did she? Yes. She did get said what the cat's name was like, Che, Che. Oh, yeah, Che. That's right. Yeah. And it meant, uh, um, shit. Yeah, I forgot what it meant. She, t- she tells him. Who's going to Google it first? Uh, what are you going to Google? I don't even know what to Google. I don't know. I got it. She's like, I love my kitty. What's his name? Che. Che? Mm-hmm. And he says, uh-huh. What? And he says, Kami? Because he, he thinks he like she che, named it after um, Che Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have the explanation after that. Though. Oh, maybe it was never in the screenplay and she just made it up on the spot. Okay. Anyway... There was uh, another scene I really quick remembered, and it was kind of eerie listening to it today when they're on that boat ride and they go past uh, Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. You know, and for those of you who watch the news, I think it was, was it over the summer? What month is it right now? It's March. Did it happen like in the fall type? Anyway, uh, Notre Dame. Late summer, I think. The cathedral caught on fire? Uh, we don't know how. Anyway. Oh uh, yeah, there was. There's they were doing work. <clears throat> and the big steeple, the wooden, well, the uh, whole ceiling, the whole roof, yeah, all wood, gone. Yeah. So to hear, to see them, you know, go past and talk about the history of the cathedral and to see it there and all its glory, and he tells that story about the guy who was supposed to to blow it up, to blow it up, but he couldn't because he was so overwhelmed by the beauty of mm-hmm. the cathedral and supposed to do the same thing with the Eiffel Tower and. And she's like, is that a true story? He's like, I don't know, but it's a good one. But it's nice or whatever. <laughs> it's yeah. nice, yeah. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, kind of like, oh. And that's kind of how I felt watching the whole movie, just thinking about what's going on right now in the world and how <laughs> we can't travel. Not that we're going to get on a plane to Paris, but to just see people abroad walking together because, you know, we can't be in groups of people. We can't be in public anywhere where there's people because we have to stay away from people. So it just kind of made me, I mean, it's only been a week. Okay. A week of quarantine, but it made me long for the days of being able to walk out in the open <laughs> and, you know, and have other people walk by and not feel like you need to be six feet away from them. And what doesn't she talk about Notre Dame, like one day not being there or something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was, she's like, it, she's okay. How it won't last forever or something. Yeah, one of these days it'll, it'll yeah, be gone. it'll be gone. Because she's talking about there was like an old church that stood there before. Yeah. Yep. And then she's like, this one will be gone. And or whatever. Look yeah. where we are. 
half it's gone. I don't know if they'll be able to reconstruct anything. So yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a melancholy movie to watch, given the situation in, but still comforting to watch just because of the ease of the conversation that you're just watching. It's and it is nice to like an armchair traveler type watching them walk through parts of Paris that you don't see. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you don't see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, they're not going to. I mean, Notre Dame is the most famous building that you see yeah because it's part of a conversation but it's not like they're oh let's hit all the let's go to the louvre is that, is that and the Moulin Rouge. yeah why wouldn't it be i don't know they filmed in paris right? i mean but is that what know. it looks like that'd sure. be kind of cool <laughs> i'll have to go there oh wait but yeah i don't know anything else you want to say i mean it's the, i mean these i think these films definitely have a, a cult following oh i'm sure cult, yeah but people who really love great dialogue because i'm not it's not like it's a great story it is but it's more of just i can't explain it if you like great dialogue all dialogue but not snappy fast aaron sorkin it's not type it's not you know. quippy yeah it's hard to explain hard to explain these movies it, there's a lot of it's all walking and talking but it's not aaron sorkin walking and talking yeah it's a lot different it's not west wing but, yeah, I, I just think it's. I did it is see. Like I, did, I was looking for the quotes food. real quick. Oh. And I did see when she's asking, what, what do I, how do I look to you now or whatever? Yeah. And, he and he's like skinny. Or she's like, you mean I was fat? fat? Oh, <laughs> she's like, you, you, oh, you wrote a book about a fat French, French girl. girl. I'm a fatty. I'm a fatty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think because. Just, I think her, in the first one, her face is younger and it's a little bit fuller. Sure. Because she's, you know, nine years younger and it's just, her cheeks were a little but bit. But I mean, they're both very skinny people. He was, he's skinnier now too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're both totally freaking. Well, they're not emaciated. No. Maybe Ethan He might be. <laughs> she's just normal. Yeah. But yeah, that was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to, you know, if someone's like, oh, what's this movie about? Should I watch it? It's about. Two people, two people who walk around Paris and talk. I mean, it's... And they go on a boat for a few minutes. That's really all you can say, but it's one of those, just trust me, you'll you'll get involved. I mean, it's... It's a easy movie to watch because there's... I mean, you do have to follow along. Like, you can't just jump in in the middle, but you also could because, oh, they're still just talking. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they talked about before, but I'm still jumping in on their conversation and I'm still. But I mean, there's nothing to. Plot wise, moving along, it's not like it's dependent on. I mean, the plot is this just that they're walking. Yeah. <laughs> they're walking and talking. Yeah. It's just, like you said, peeling away the layers as they go. It's basically what you're watching, which is. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's. I think it. I think it was Carla Krakowski, mm-hmm. who this is. She loves the Before Trilogy. I think she said it's like her comfort food. It gives her. I can see that. Which, I mean, I can understand. When she said, that. I was like, "Oh, but it's so emotional," and I was just thinking it was sad. But like, now, but now, when you sit there and just watch him talk, it is 
it's so comforting, and I totally get it now. I, I can totally imagine. I can totally see how, like, a false memory of this would be, oh, it's such a tragic movie. It's like it's such a sad, almost heartbreaking movie, but it's... Because no, that's what it not, feels like it's going to be. That's how I feel about when I was young and romantic. Because when Before Sunrise came out, I was 16 when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, it's so tragic. <laughs> yeah. They have to part, you know. And um, I don't know if they'll, oh, I hope they meet in six months. I'm never going to know if they do or don't. And I didn't know back in 95 that there was going to be a sequel in 2004. Mm-hmm. But... So I thought of it as a, as a tragedy, <laughs> but it really is just super comforting to watch them. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're talk. you're just watching two attractive people have a conversation. <laughs> but not overly attractive. Where you feel but they're like, not like, they're not. Heartbra- I feel bad about myself because I'm not as attractive. Yeah, no, I mean, they're not, not that kind. they're not heartbreakingly beautiful. They're just, again, normal level beautiful people i mean you know yeah like they look attainable almost <laughs> like you like they're not they're not outside of like... your reach you know <laughs> okay. like they're not, like you can see each one be like oh there's a possibility that i will one day meet someone exactly like that you know like i can meet a seven you know okay. I probably won't ever meet a 10 I can meet a 7 sure I may not woo a 7 but I mean I can certainly meet one so am I lower than a 7 I'm then? not saying that I'm just <laughs> oh, saying oh I'm lower than a oh, 7 oh you're a fat French girl I'm a fatty because <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean Ethan Hawke is I he's no Idris Elba Idris Elba is a hard 10 sure no yeah Ethan Hawke is He's, but he's certainly not a, a pile of shit. He's, he's a, a good solid, you know, he's a good solid seven for at least. And yet I can meet someone like that and be like, hey, you want to go get a beer? <laughs> am I, am I oh, wooing Ethan Hawk? You just wooed Ethan. I hear him. He's at the front door right now. He's ready. Oh, can we can we pick up Julie Delpy on the way to the bar then? Because <laughs> this is gonna get awkward. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, before sunset. Good movie. No, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I think I checked. Oh, my tummy made a <laughs> growl. Anything else you want to say about it? No. Let's grab the the thing. The thing. What are we on? Two, two, two. Hey, Google, pick a number between 1 and 222. Here's a random number, 41. Okay. Oh, another Disney animated. Huh. Cinderella, 1950. (laughs) All right, Cinderella from 1950. Gus Gus and Jack Jack, right? Jack. Jack Jack is incredible. Oh, Jacques, Jacques and, and Gus Gus. Cinderella. Lucifer. Cinderella. Anastasia. Lady Tremaine. Lady Tremaine. We kind of talked about her a little bit in our Maleficent episode. Oh, she's but. evil and Maleficent was vengeful. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Lady Tremaine's got a little bit of vengeance in her too. Good but back she a at, bitch. She's she just a, she's evil. a straight up bitch. But yeah, I, I love Cinderella. It's beautiful. So, no, sorry, you got to sit through another Disney. I own a lot of Disney animated movies. I'm sorry if they show up on the list. We also have other ones that I don't like. So, you know, tit for tat. Okay, <laughs> but that's it. Before sunset, we'll. I don't know what you're gonna play as our going away song i don't know but i hope you enjoy a waltz for the night stay inside don't go out and waltz don't go out to paris and walk around with a seven (laughs) um stay safe guys stay healthy and hopefully we'll get past this soon but if not you know you have us to listen to that's it okay bye before you came, my time was running up. I was lost. The losing dice were tough.